from the back straight to the sand pit and everything in between. Get ready, get set for the Field and Track Podcast. Ah! Former World Indoor 800 metre champion, Tamsin Manu. And Olympic long jump finalist, David Colbert. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 6 of the Field and Track podcast from the back straight to the sandpit and everything in between. This podcast now sits at number 12 on the Australian Apple iTunes list for sports news podcasts. So that means, well, we're only in the top 12, so we've got a bit of work to do to be top 8 and therefore get our contract renewed after Tokyo. So Tamsin, <laughs> welcome to you, the 793-time Australian champion and my uh, fellow track and field traveller, welcome. We need to lift. Uh, yeah, Only okay. Well, do you know what? If you're a field eventer, you would actually be in the finals, wouldn't you? But if you're a sprinter or an 800-metre runner, you just haven't quite cracked that top eight final That's yet. A good point. So. Yes. Good point. We, were, we were number nine last week. I don't know how I discovered this. Someone sent me an email to say you're in the top 12. I thought, oh, it's great. Oh, don't tell us that we were ninth. We slipped back. Okay, all right, I'll lift my game. It's my I fault. Mean, I'm happy to take the blame. We've gone downhill. I think we spoke too much about Matt Denny's tight shorts. <laughs> okay, we'll try and stay away from that then with whoever we chose to profile for today's episode. We will. So, uh, state championships, we'll talk about them. We'll talk about international news, of which there was a bit, including an Olympic qualifier for Liam Adams. We'll get to that. We'll talk coronavirus because, of course, we will. Um, I want to talk about Jarian Lawson, um, the long jumper who's – beat his drug ban, which is interesting. And I want to find out who you had lunch with this week because it must have been someone important. But let's start with the state championships. Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria, second week of the Victorian championships. Um, and let's start with Queensland, though, because there were some impressive performances up there. Oh, you know what? I had Victoria all ready to go, which is so typical oh, okay. of me. Let's but no, Queensland. No, no, Queensland's biased. good. I'm ready to Queensland. Um, wasn't that Queensland? The, Queensland was the best chance, wasn't it, in terms of all-round performances. Oh, it's pretty tough. New South Wales did some good things as well, I think, and the conditions in Victoria were pretty tough, to be honest, with the winds, but the wind was pretty strong everywhere. But in Queensland, they didn't turn the sprints around, whereas in New South Wales they did for those 100 metres. Um, but for the sprints, there were still some really good uh, performances in Queensland. I think Alex Hartman, he did the double, which was a bit of a shock in the 100. He took down Jake Doran. It was a close race, but he... He's such a good competitor, and I love the way that Alex is always out there competing to get himself into shape. I think that he does it the old school way, the the way that I grew up seeing you guys all out there competing, and Alex has um, competed pretty well. The 200 was quite a stiff headwind for him, so 21-23 into a minus 2.9 to take that win, but he'd be happy with that double. Now, the women's sprint was an interesting one. Um, Bree Masters won the 100 and Na Nang made her comeback, which I know you'll be happy to hear about, Dave. She got yeah, through nah. it. Uns- <laughs> she got through it unscathed, which is good, but she finished with a fourth and a 12-1. Now, she was the national champion over the 100, so we know that she can run a lot faster than that. But I think it's a positive, don't you, that she's at least out there competing, which means that hopefully we'll see her competing at nationals. Yep, but the highlight was Jacinta Beecher, who uh, ran a very swift 23-26 into a Strong headwind, 1.6, but only ran the heat. Yeah, I'm so disappointed, and I know you know that I'm disappointed that she didn't take her spot in that final because I was looking forward to seeing her and Riley Day go head-to-head again, and Bree Masters and Ellie Beer were in that final as well. Now, Riley won it in a 23.41, which would have been her second 200 for the day, and it was a minus 2.1, so it was a stronger headwind. 
Um, and Riley had taken her scalp in New Zealand, um, so she won the last head-to-head that they were up against each other. And I think the way that Jacinta attacked that heat suggested that she was probably only going to run the heat that day. Now, we do know that she's had some injury problems, so maybe she decided that she was going to rest her body. But I do get disappointed when I don't see those head-to-heads eventuate because you do look forward to them as an athletics fan. But it will eventuate at nationals, obviously. Yeah, I think you're a bit harsh on that one. I reckon um, 10 days before the Queensland Track Classic or a week before um, and then, you know, another week before the nationals, there's a bit to come over the next um, two and a half weeks. So. And you don't know what's Portion going on with sometimes is mm. is the the better option. Yeah, and and other uh, highlights were Josh Cowley um, in the long jump did seven sixty six, which is what Joseph Muller did as well. So um, it's interesting. I'm not sure who that who they gave the win to. I think maybe Joseph, but they their top jump was seven sixty six. Both their second jumps were seven sixty three, and. Muller's third best was 7.53 and Cowley's was 7.52. That's a pretty close competition, but Josh did another World Junior. That's how a countback works, so Muller is the man. (laughs) World Junior qualifier. Um, And uh, I thought Leah Simpson in the 800 metres, she's a junior, ran a 2.07.51, which was a PB for her, was a great run as well. And Kai Robinson, under 20, 3K steeple and a PB 904. So he was good as well from that chance. Ali Beer's 52.91's worth of little... Oh, yes. I'm so sorry. I have that written here. Ellie Beer's 52 was absolutely worth a mention. What a great, great run. And she's in absolutely brilliant shape. And I'm looking forward to that 400 at Nationals. And Alex Beck won the men's in 46.29. So, and Ellie Beer also got third in the 200 in 23.99, which is fantastic. Junior. And you've left out Corey, whose future's so bright he's got to wear shades. Anderson, that's a bit of a throwback to some people who probably aren't old enough to remember. But anyway, Google Corey Hart and you'll know what I'm talking about. Corey Anderson, he, um, he broke the F38 world record in the Javelin, the world champion, through 58.18 and uh, 1.9 meter personal best for him so brilliant good Abs- effort absolutely field event, of course field event as well i was hoping that you would mention that so and new mm. south wales we go to new south wales or victoria yes next? Let's okay. go to new south wales new south wales we'll start with the sprints abby Tadeo did the double in the 100 hurdles and the 100 meter flat which was great monique kirk was worth quirk was worth a mention coming third in that open in 1186 and 15 year old was fourth tory lewis in 1191 so the future's looking quite bright in that women's sprint region. Um, Nick Andrews, the hurdler, won the 100-metre flat over Zach Holdsworth. He, he ran 10.40 and then he was second in the hurdles. Now, last year didn't disappoint over that men's 110 hurdle distance and this year was no different. The three boys, Nicholas Hoff, Nicholas Andrews and Jacob McCory, were all under the 14-second barrier with Nicholas Hoff, Nick Hoff, winning in 13.67, which is a cracking run. He's in great shape. I'm expecting him to drop something very big as soon as we get some good conditions in those men's High hurdles. Um, the men's, uh, the women's, sorry, 800. Keely Small took the win over Georgia Wassell, which was great seeing Georgia Wassell back out there competing. She was a great junior athlete getting medal at World Juniors in, goodness, I'm going to guess here, I think it was 2014 um, in Eugene, and she got the bronze there. So she's back running and running quite well. Um, there was a World Junior qualifier in the triple jump. Desley Awusu, have you seen much of her, Dave? She jumps thirteen oh five. No, by Andrew Murphy, um, and as we know, Murph's doing very good things with a whole range of athletes, including his own son Connor. So thirteen oh five as a world junior qualifier for Desley, so that's a great jump. 
Yep, and there was another World Junior Qualifier in the Javelin, Liana Davidson, so that was brilliant. Um, and Hamish Peacock went up and threw 76.55. Sarah Carley won the 400 hurdles. The men's four was won by Ian Halpin. The women's four was a great race. Ben Derry again winning in 52.47 over Beck Bennett, who's still having a fantastic season, 52.98. Can I tell you what I thought was impressive? Nick Andrews ran 10.40 to win the 100. Yeah. Um, Josh Clark only ran the heat by the looks of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh so- Ross also ran. <laughs> Josh, the boss, Ross, thank you, is his full name. Sorry. You changed that by D-Pol, so you actually have to say the boss after Josh. Um, Did he really? So Nick, no, of course not. Oh. <laughs> Come on. Tell you what, if you say things like that, all it does is perpetuate the myth that middle distance runners aren't that sharp. The balance got me, okay. So Nick Andrews, who ran behind the Huff Daddy in the hurdles, 10.40, like that's mm-hmm. a serious run, 1.1. I don't reckon KVK ran sub ten four zero in the hunt. I can't remember. I'm happy to be proven wrong, but I reckon KVK wasn't a ten thirty hundred meter man at his best. Well, he, oh, gosh, he did run quite fast, Carl Vanderkai. He was fast. Andrews. He probably ran faster than you know. He could probably run faster than his hundred PB. But ten forty is a serious run. It is a very serious run. But, I mean, Nicholas Andrews is also has been in the 4 by 100 metres sprints team. Yep, no wonder. At majors. So, I mean, mm. he's a fantastic sprinter. But that goes to show how good he actually is. And you could use him for that 4 by 100 metre squad, which is actually quite handy to have that to his bow too because he obviously desperately wants to go to those Olympics. And if you watch him in that hurdles race against Nick Hoff, Nikoff, who's doing, as we How spoke about start? a couple of weeks ago, talking about the way he's trying to do his seven strides to the first and he looks a bit boundy. Nick Andrews is the complete opposite. He is so super quick out and gets to that first hurdle very, very fast. And But Nikoff also has great speed. So, um, yeah, no, Nicholas Andrews over that 100 metres, what a great run. And to win that 100 and then come second at the hurdles, he's an athlete to watch. Mm, very good. Let's go to Victoria, the second weekend, which wasn't at Lakeside because they're getting ready for a concert, which staggeringly isn't on until this weekend coming up. And even more so, Miley Cyrus has pulled the pin on it. So yes. I do not understand for the life of me why it takes... You know, we, we had Dino. a Queen concert and then a, and then Elton John within a day yeah, at no. Amy Park. Why does it take two weeks to set up for a rock concert? Can you just whack up a stage? They put, Katy Perry turned up within an hour after the women's cricket the other night and sang. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we're out know. at Glen Huntley, which Duncan yep. McKinnon, which is your old training ground. Um, nice track, oh, but was not, not my really old. suitable for a championship, I don't think. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely not. I used to avoid that track. Um, just It's very windy, very, very windy. The wind comes off North Road and it's it's the tough conditions at that track. So um, the, the standout performances, the men's 200 into a minus 2.9. I know you like saying this winner's name. Drew Dr- Rodriguez Chico. <laughs> Twenty-one thirty-four over Will Johns, um, so that was a pretty good run. Now the two hundred meters was won by Jesse Andrew in twenty-four eighty-one for the females, but Maddie Coates did run that heat. She ran a twenty-five flat into a negative two point one. She's had so many injury issues this year. She's been struggling to get out in the track, and she didn't front up for that final. Morgan Mitchell pulled out of the eight hundred final. I think there's a few of these ladies really focusing on the Milers Club that's at Doncaster this Thursday night. It's going to be a cracking field, which is interesting to choose that over winning your state title. But I guess they're probably looking at trying to run a very fast race, and they'll have pace in it. I think the race of the championship was the men's open four hundred hurdles. Mm. It was. 
an absolutely cracking race between Harvey Moran, who took the win in 51.66, and Luke Major, who ran 51.67. It was so close. They had to wait to hear who got the title, but it was just a brilliant race to watch, and I think those two lads are going to go to nationals and do something special. Um, I'm enjoying watching Declan Carmen go about his business. He won the under-20 discus with a 58.55, which is a world junior qualifier and the open, and he's coached by Scott Martin. They're doing brilliant things. So Very good. And the walk, Jemima Montag, it was good to see her out there winning the 5K walk and Ridian Cowley would have taken the title, but he crossed the line second behind the Swedish uh, Perseus Kullström. Mm. And, of course, Chris Matrevsky jumped 781 in the long jump with a little 5.3 tail winner. So, I tell you what, most long jumpers, you just salivate in the day where there's a 5.3. I know it doesn't count, but there's nothing better than charging in with a monsoon behind you. So that was good. Can I just mention a couple of other results before we move on? ACT Champs, uh, ACT Summer Series, Lauren Bowden ran 55.98 in the 400 hurdles. It was a good run. And over in Perth, Nina Kennedy, she's, she's getting very consistent. Yeah. Some good form here. 4.60 she jumped. Um, Elizaveta Parnova, the athlete formerly known as Liz Parnov, jumped 4.50. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was a good jump, and Angus Armstrong, 5.65. So yep. it was obviously good conditions for pole vaulting in Perth. And worth also mentioning, Brianna Behan won the 100 in 11.55, and second mm. was Taylor Crittenden in 11.64, which was a world junior qualifier that she'd been right, chasing. so that's enough of the results. Okay. It's, aside from what was a monumental men's shot put competition. Now, you mentioned this last week that there was a bit going on in this shot put. Cole <laughs> Cranston, who won a World University uh, um, decathlon title, uh, a couple of editions ago. He won with 14.81, but it was down the bottom end of the list that I it took my fancy. Ben Offerens, competing for the All-White of Sydney University, he, he launched the Orb 10 metres 50, which is not yeah. bad given that he's he's got an arm like a twig. But further down the list, <laughs> your man, Anu um, Abu Ganaba, yep. 8.15, yep, good long bad. jump, not a great shot put. <laughs> Rowan Browning. Oh, dear. Needs to be reevaluating his approach to, to everything. 667. <laughs> but Brandon Stark. Oh, dear. Did I'll you see through, this? I'll go from back to front. Round three, pass. Round two, pass. Because the big guy, he was happy just to sit on his opening round effort of one metre and three centimetres. Come I... on, B Stark. What's oh. going on? <laughs> Did you that actually is, see that it? That is embarrassing. <laughs> he put it on his Instagram post and it was one of the most... The throw? Yeah, it was one of the most amusing techniques I've ever seen in shop. He must have I, almost I, broken his foot. He looked pretty happy with it, to be honest. It was pretty funny. Yeah, it Steve was Solomon funny. and Johnny um, Geekus had, the, had the, the sense not to turn up. Yeah. They, weren't, they didn't start. No, no. So three for B Stark. Possibly the worst performance in Australian track and field history. Thank God he can high jump, huh? Let's go to international news because there was a great performance at the Lake Biwa Marathon, which has been a happy hunting ground for Australians over the journey. Conditions were horrific, but Liam Adams, who's one of the the most honest toilers going around in Australian athletics, managed to bang out an Olympic qualifying. Oh, he was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And do you mind if this week I do my profile on him? Because. No, Tamsin, tell us more. But let me just read out the result first. So he ran two ten forty eight, which was the Olympic qualifying. Yeah. Uh, so he goes past Brett Robinson's two ten fifty five, who was the fastest. So now yep. Liam is in the box seat there by 
um, what is that, uh, 2, 12, seven, seven seconds, and Jack Rayner, 2.11.06. So they're the three at the moment that are inside the qualifying mark. And you'd have to anyway, say... Anyway, Tamsin, tell us more about <laughs> Liam Adams. And you'd have to say he's safe because it's the fastest time by an Aussie since Lee Troop in 2003. It was a cracking run. Anyway, I really wanted to profile Liam because he's just... He's got this beautiful way about him. The way that he runs in his tradie singlet is just an interesting story in itself. But he was born the 4th of September in 1986, which makes him 33. He's like a good bottle of wine, getting better with age. He's known as the working class runner. He's a hero to, hero to many with how he runs in his tradie singlet. He found running through primary school, like so many athletes do. Good teachers push them into the best sport. As a kid, did all sports, footy, baseball, cricket, even skateboarding. Ah, he also swam, but he was more of a sprinter in the pool, but he had a bit of a fear of drowning, so swimming didn't didn't capture his imagination for too long. Um, the teacher suggested that it, he should take up long-distance running. In his first year, he made the States, but um, he couldn't take part because he had an asthma attack. In the second year, he got the bronze. At 13 and 14, the state cross, he, got, he made cross-country teams off no training at all. So he went and found a coach, Gregor Gajorski, um, and then he's had pretty phenomenal rate, uh, results, to be honest. He's made quite a few uh, Australian uh, world cross-country teams. He's fifth at the Commonwealth Games in 2018 and seventh in 2014. He's just come off the park run record, Dave, probably just a little bit faster than your best ever, 14.13 this month he did. Um, in 2012, he just missed the 10-kilometre qualifying time um, by three to four seconds. Um, in 2016, his qualifying uh, attempts were just unbelievable and he managed to get the qualifier on the last day of qualifying in Warsaw. Um, in Rio, he came 31st. He slipped at the start line, um, hurt his ankle, but managed to keep going all the way to the end. And he was the Aussie who slipped at the end. Remember, Dave, when we were watching it? Yes. Um, and well, he I ran a- down the Copacabana, um, yep. not the Copacabana, where they have the, the, the Hippodrome. Hippodrome, is that what it's called? Where yeah, they have the... Uh, it was so wet. There, and it was like marble. Yep, yep. And he slipped across the line. He was 31st, but he was the first Australian. Um, anyway, he runs in a tradie singlet because he was dropped by his sponsor just before the Commonwealth Games in 2018. And um, it's his work singlet because he is a tradie. I think he's an electrician from memory. Um, after he won the Melbourne Marathon in 2018, he received hundreds of messages in his private DMs on social media and every day people were saying how inspirational it was to see an everyday person um, beating the professional athletes. He works 45-hour weeks. He's had a few offers since then to, you know, get sponsored, but he chooses to keep wearing his tradie singlet as he sees more value in inspiring the running community than getting free gear. His girlfriend, Charlotte Wilson, was fifth last year in the Melbourne Marathon. She's a 244 runner. And after he won, uh, sorry, after he got his Olympic qualifier the other day, she posted on social media that he can demolish a marathon almost as well as he can demolish Maccas. He's a talented human. Um, Very good. Yeah, but an absolute brilliant race over there at Lake Biwa Marathon. And um, after a pretty tough way to get to his qualifier because he went to the Gold Coast in 2019 and he just missed the time by six seconds. And he was also sixth across the line and you need to be top five to be considered in the gold label. And actually, one of the guys in front of him has failed a drug test, so he could fall into that top five, but he's taken it on his own merit to go over there to Japan and get that qualifying time. So... What a brilliant effort by Liam. 
Very good. And um, so fingers crossed for Liam and the others that uh, the games actually go ahead because as we talk on this Tuesday night when we record the Field & Track podcast, the coronavirus is continuing to cut a sway throughout the world. Uh, the Tokyo Olympic flame lighting is going to be held without spectators. It probably won't make much of a difference. There's not a huge crowd that turns up in Olympia for that anyway. Um, all events in, in Italy of any mm-hmm. sort have been suspended until April 3. There's uh, the Indian Wells Masters Tennis Tournament, which is one of the uh, majors outside the majors, has been uh, cancelled. The World Half Marathon Championships that were to be held in the end of March, which we talked about last uh, week, have been suspended until October. Um, The issue here, Tanzan, is that the new qualifying system in athletics is based on world ranking points. Yep. Um, international athletes from Japan aren't um, able to compete in the Queensland Track Classic, even though they can go and sit in the stands. They're not allowed to compete. Please, can you explain that to me, Queensland Government, who have forced yeah. that decision on, on Queensland athletics, uh, which is good news for our athletes because they'll get the points because the Japanese won't be here, but it's terrible news for the Japanese athletes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sensing, Tamsin, that there's going to have to be a change to the way the athletics competition is formulated for Tokyo. Yeah, do you know, word on the street is that they're going to have to go back to having an actual standard that's a realistic standard to get the quota of the competitors at the Olympics because if they don't and they just keep going on these um, points system, a lot of the world's best won't actually be able to get any points because there won't be any competitions out there for them to score the points off. So to make it as fair as you possibly can in the in the bizarre set of circumstances that athletes are presented with at the moment is that you have to pretty much probably go back to having just that standard that needs to be achieved. Whether you go just the straight A standard and and leave it at that or if you bring in the B standard, I'm not sure. But it's just even for athletes who are northern summer uh, athletes, what events are going to be on, Dave, for there them to try? There might not be any. So there's a, there's a big 50K walk that's coming up in Europe. Uh, yeah. I think it's in Poland. It's basically the one event that most of the European 50K walkers have targeted to get their qualifier. Yeah. Uh, it's been cancelled. And so the some of the favourites for the Olympic 50K walk title are sitting on the sidelines without a qualifier at all. Oh, my goodness. And see, that's pretty tough because to get a 50K walk course set out, is, is, you know, tough in itself. And the athletes are preparing for certain events and you have to peak and, you know, you can't just change the way that you're peaking that easily, especially in those sort of longer distance events where they would have done altitude training and really uh, prepped for it. And then you can't just push it back too far that it's too close to the Olympics. So it is a real concern for the athletes as now it's not just about if they go, it's whether they can actually get to the point where they can qualify. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be no diamond leagues in China. Uh, I'd be shocked if the one um, in Qatar is held. And so we might not have a Diamond League until June. Yeah, I think it's just one of those things where they're just waiting and seeing how the next month go. But having been in Australia, it feels like it's getting closer and worse day by day. So mm. Schools um, are closing and everything. It's, yep. um, it is staggering. Hey, um, can I just talk briefly about um, if we do get to the Games, mm-hmm. who will our female athletes being lined, will, will be lining up against? Because the AOC boss, Matt Carroll, has called for transgender athlete rules to be addressed. Um, at the moment, it still remains uh, a possibility that athletes who don't necessarily meet the stringent guidelines, it's a little bit different in athletics, but um, certainly in a lot of sports, we're seeing in weightlifting with the New Zealander uh, Laurel Hubbard, who didn't qualify at the recent um, 
qualifying event that they had, but Mm -hmm. used to compete as Gavin, a 41-year-old, 42-year-old, in fact. Um, I know you've been a bit outspoken on this, Tamsin, over the journey, but it would appear that there's still a chance that female athletes are not going to have a level playing field when they get to Japan. No, look, I have real concern around this just because I don't feel like every male advantage uh, disappears when the testosterone drops, which is basically what the guidelines set out in 2015, um, targets dropping that testosterone for under 10 nanomoles per litre for at least 12 months. I mean, you're still going to have a bigger bone structure, greater lung capacity, a larger heart size. There's so much that needs to be done in the research on this area before I think we can proceed uh, proceed with any guidelines. And the way that they've got it at the moment, still just relying on the 2015 guidelines, I think it's just, look, I feel like it's a sensitive topic, but more needs to be said. And And I'm really concerned that if some of us don't make a stand and have this conversation in a respectful manner, I'm concerned about what will happen to that female category moving forward, which is there for a reason. Um, the AOC uh, CEO, Matt Carroll, came out and he feels like he, he actually said, which I thought was good, that transgender guidelines must be addressed. And I think that's a step in the right direction. But there's just too much doubt around what, um, you know, what advantages are in place. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, there is a female category for a reason. And we need to make sure that whatever the guidelines are set at, that category is protected. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree more. Hey, the Court of Arbitration for Sport this week annulled the four-year ban on Jarian Lawson. Mm-hmm. Nitro fans will remember he came to um, jump. He was in that uh, sensational uh, long jump final in Rio where he won the silver medal. And uh, he tested positive to the anabolic steroid epitrenbolone. Yep. I think that's how you say it. Epitrenbolone. Uh, in June, and he blamed contaminated beef. And, of course, everyone said, yeah, yeah, probably, um, just like Alberto Contador. Yeah, sure. And uh, he won his appeal. So his appeal has been uh, the Athletics Integrity Unit uh, sort of ban, banned him for four years, and he appealed to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, and he won. Yeah. Well, RJ Wilson, RJ Wilson, the 800 runner, got off on something similar. And I started to research a little bit of this and I found that in the US, the substance that he tested positive to is actually frequently used to promote growth of beef cattle. Now, wouldn't that scare you from out of eating beef over there in America? I mean, if that's the case that a clean athlete is going to test positive because of the meat that they ate at a Japanese restaurant the night before they're tested, that's a real concern, Dave. Because well, it happens a lot in China. In fact, our own uh, Michael Rogers, the cyclist, was at the Tour of Beijing. I was there and worked on it, and we strongly encouraged athletes not to eat uh, meat, either yep. in the event hotel or outside. He chose to, tested positive to clenbuterol, I think it was, from, yep. um, and and got off on that basis that in, in some countries, Mexico um, being one, China being another, um, contaminated beef. Well, you know, and if that is the case and there is a loophole that this is actually occurring to clean athletes and they're getting banned because Jerry and Lawson missed all of last year because of this Mm. and they've come out and it's a unanimous decision that he was innocent. Um, His agent, Paul Doyle, has said that more details will be released next week uh, against what has actually happened. But um, it really concerns me that if clean athletes are getting done by this um, contaminated beef. I don't know. There needs to be a test that somehow works out. Like it must, they must have got him off because of this, the amount, maybe the trace that was in his, in his body. But let's just hope that it doesn't then create a another loophole that guilty athletes start trying to use that as a clause to get out. Well, there's been you know Dennis Mitchell. He he's elevated testosterone 
came from oh, drinking beer and having a lot of, you know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about what Dennis Mitchell said. The horizontal, you know. <laughs> the, the tango Dennis fandango. No one, no one believed you, Dennis. No, one. no, I don't. I think it's a completely different case to Jarian that he put okay. forward. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, who'd you have lunch with this week, Tans? It must have been someone, given the, the, the hot streak you've been on. <laughs> no, look, the media frenzy scared me too much with coronavirus. I'm staying indoors. I'm staying away really? from people. Yep, just in case. Hey, can I discuss <laughs> another thing with you? It's been a controversy-laden topic list this week's Field and Track podcast. Mm-hmm. International Women's Day is an absolute ripper. I was mm-hmm. fortunate enough to be at a lunch in Melbourne where Billie Jean King spoke about the efforts with uh, her and eight other colleagues to progress women's professional tennis and Amazing. Uh, turn it into a, a professional sport that we now see equal prize money and um, $4 million of Sophia Kennan for winning the Australian Open. Incredible uh, story that she's got. Uh, women's sport's only just been invented, according to many media outlets. And every time um, I go to the MCG and I walk past the Betty Cuthbert or Shirley Strickland statue, it reminds me of how undervalued and easily mm-hmm. forgotten our track and field and swimmers, pioneers were, you know, in 1956, the MCG was full mm-hmm. for people predominantly. Yes, there were men's athletics as, on as well, but the yep. predominant crowd there on those days was to watch our female stars: Betty Cuthbert, Shirley Strickland, Marguerite, Marjorie Jackson, etc. Well, didn't we win every, a gold in every women's event? I mean, I know there were only four, but I mean. Norma Crocker, Fleur Mella, Marlene Matthew. Oh, my goodness me. We had such a sensational bunch of females. And they were, Dave, you're right. They were pioneering for female sport. And you would think if you if you just read the media outlets of certain sports that they were the, they, they were the first ones to invent the wheel with female sport. But luckily, track and field can stand proud in this area because we've been doing it for a very long time. The equality thing has been there for such a long time. Through my you whole career... Yeah, you know who the star of the 1938 Empire Games was in Sydney? Decima Norman, 1938. Yep. It's close to 90 years ago. And, of course, you know, 25th of September 2000 was one of the great days in athletics and there were a lot of fantastic events on that program. But 110,000 people went to Homebush to watch Cathy Freeman. Mm-hmm. And the Commonwealth Games at the MCG, which is the moment that stuck in most people's mind? Mm. Karen McCann. Uh, Karen McCann. So anyway, it's a it's a it's a hobby horse of mine that I think that we don't do enough collectively uh, to promote our female track and field pioneers, and we allow the media to run with a, a program that suggests that women's sport was invented last year, and in some sports, that's not the case. Anyway, Manu's yep. moment of the week, and I haven't got my um my bell. I didn't get it ready. Anyway, ding 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 ding. ding. <laughs> Well, I'm going back to Liam Adams because his Olympic qualifier and the way that he went about that Lake Biwa marathon, um, he has to get my moment of the week. He had a 12-and-a-half-hour flight turn into a 33-hour flight. He had 38 hours to get over the flight. The conditions for the race day were just horrendous. The race was delayed. He was held out in the rain for 10 minutes. In the end, he did the first two kilometres with a poncho on, but then he felt that it was starting to turn into a bit of a parachute and holding him back. So he took the poncho off. The front pack was picking up pace and he couldn't uh, sustain that pace. So he dropped back a little bit. That pack was running too slow for the time he needed. So from about 17 to the 18-kilometre mark, he decided he had to do the rest of this solo. It was headwind from 27 kilometres on. But he finished 13th in 2.10.48, got himself that Olympic qualifier and it was the fastest time by an Aussie since Lee Troop in 2003. So he is my definite moment of the week. Well done, Liam Adams. 
Well done indeed. And Colbert's Conqueror. Well, I didn't know that Liam Adams now holds the Australian record for the fastest marathon in a poncho. <laughs> yeah, we did the so first good, two games. Good work. <laughs> Colbert's Conqueror. It's not tra- uh, field and track related, but the Women's T20 World Cup team, um, consider what they went through to win the tournament. They lost the opening match against India, which uh, they were expected to win, so it turned uh, tournament into sudden death. Yep. They were the subject of... Um, Significant media coverage, which you know put pressure on their leading players, but they shared it around the team brilliantly. Yep. They had to endure that uh, potential washout. They were seven minutes away from being ejected from the tournament in the semi-final without having mm-hmm. a rain delay, and then just got home, having just got home against New Zealand in the previous match. South Africa put them under immense pressure. Then they come to the MCG in front of an environment that they've never been to before, 86,000 mm-hmm. spectators. And they just put on a display, Tams, and I know you've got a bit of a soft spot for cricket. Yep. They put on a display that was just immense. They hardly missed a beat. Their their fielding was superb. Healy and Mooney um, opening the batting were just tremendous. Yeah, they got dropped early, but they took the most of their chances. They were extraordinary. And I reckon there's a lesson for everyone to learn from how much they enjoyed it, how much the smiles on their faces and in the immense pressure – it's just a game at the end of the day, and that's how they treated it. And I thought they were superb. Yeah. Uh, so did I. They conquerors. Were, I, I think that, do you know what? I'm usually looking for something quite amusing in Colbert's Conquerors that makes me laugh. But I, you know, I'm, I'm not laughing and there was silence because it was a brilliant moment. You're right, Dave. And the fact that 86,000 people came to support them and everybody that I've spoken to that went to that game enjoyed the experience immensely and they would go back and they will support each one of those those ladies that they saw out there playing um, for the future of their careers now because they've got a connection with them. And it was just brilliant the way they went about it, like you said, and it was a fantastic result, not only for female sport, for Australian sport. Well done. Well done, Aussie yep. cricketers. And if every athlete in the Olympic team gives it their best and produces like they did on the big stage, then we'll have a great uh performance in Tokyo if we get there hopefully we will Tamsin that is episode six of the field and track podcast hopefully we'll elevate ourselves into the top eight on the Apple iTunes charts otherwise there's going to be an investigation and in our (laughs) review we may lose our scholarships (laughs) okay please I got my fingers crossed that's it field and track podcast is done